Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Really great to have you all with me today and I'm really honoured and privileged to have um, Andre Henry as my guest today. Um, so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you're welcome. It's Yeah, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time so it's... Um, uh, yeah, it's really great to have you on. Um, and Andre is um, a musician, um, a podcaster, activist, writer, all does all sorts of different work. Um, and if you're not following him already, you really should be. Um, so, um, yeah, tell us your story on it. Tell us a bit about like the work you do and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Broad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just open it up. Okay. All right. Um, so I, yeah, I would say that I, I do a lot of work around racial justice, and I started doing that work in this way um, around the summer of 2016, when I saw a a young black man. Uh, bleed to death on Facebook Live after being shot by a local police officer mm. in, in front of his girlfriend and in front of their four-year-old daughter. Wow. And up to then, you know, I, I've obviously I've known about racism and I've known uh, about police brutality and I cared about that kind of thing, but it was like a watershed moment for me where I just felt like enough is enough and something needs to be done and I don't want to feel helpless about this pattern of black people being disproportionately abused and killed by the police in America. Mm. I want to be, I want to be a part of the solution. Um, up to then I had really focused a lot on music. Um, I had also been a pastor for about seven years. And so I, I focused on theology. I was, doing a master's in theology at Fuller Seminary in California. Mm-hmm. And I I found that those like those gifts, those talents and and whatnot didn't seem immediately adequate to to bring the message that I felt needed to be said. Yeah. So I, I focused more so on writing about racism and doing videos about racism. And um, for a few months, I carried a 100-pound boulder around Los Angeles uh, everywhere that I went. I really basically towed it on a cart um, behind me to illustrate, to demonstrate that this is, this is what it feels like to live in a society where this is a this, where this kind of thing is a problem, where mm. racism is a problem, and um, I felt a lot of that it re- what I was doing and saying was resonating with a lot of people. And about a year or two into speaking up, often I started talking like every day, posting online, and like I said, writing articles and blogs and making video blogs and things like that. Yeah, um, I. I found that people were really tracking with me and I started to find my bearings with music again to incorporate the thing that I was trying to say into music yeah. and into 
uh, my writing and speaking and all of that. And so that's kind of how I got here today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've been following your work for a while. It's really amazing. Like, I, you're, and there's such a volume of, there's such a volume of it as well. I mean, the music is amazing and um, powerful as well. Like thought provoking. Like I always, my favorite kind of art is the art that makes you think. Yeah. Um, you know, I love movies that make me think. I like you know books and anything that makes me that challenges me. You know, and I think all the work you're doing, like your regular emails, your podcast, your your um your music, it, yeah, pushes the boundaries. Um, and it's really Thank important you. work. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you talk about a lot, and I see this on your Twitter feed a lot as well, is is systemic racism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, white privilege, like inbuilt biases that people yeah. like me, <laughs> like a white uh-huh. man, like might have without even not without even knowing that we have them. You know, and we yeah. might say, "I'm not racist. I would never be racist. I I don't don't yeah. agree with racism. Uh, I'm against racism in all its forms, but." Because of who we are and like the culture we brought up in, um, right. we just are not aware of cultural things, yeah. which mm-hmm. systemic, which is kind of which are kind of racist, and how we're participating in that. Um, yeah. And what's your experience of that? I mean, like, how do you see that? How do you experience that? Well, yeah, um, I think that. A lot of people's understanding of racism is that it's something intentional and something that you do um, with a purpose, you know, that you, it's premeditated. Hmm. Um, And so lately I've been thinking about like how people, they talk about racism in the same way that you would talk about murder, right? At least in the States, like for something to legally qualify as murder, usually it has to be premeditated and you have to be you know, intent on killing the person. Like, you can get other other lesser charges, you know, for other things. But, and mm-hmm. so, um, a lot of times when, when we talk about racism, people think about it in that way, that it has to be premeditated, it has to be intentional. Um, but the truth is that, so two things here, right? Like, whether you kill someone on purpose or by accident, the outcome is the same. Someone is dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, so there are different there are different ways you know there are different types of killing and there are different types of or different ways to to do racism right and some of those are intentional some of those are unintentional and what matters at the end of the day is not really so much whether someone intended to or planned to do it at the end of the day what matters is that there's a body you know, or harm was caused right yeah and um and uh. On top of that, to, to think through, like, the world that you grow up in, the surroundings that you grow up in, the society that you grow up in, it shapes you in a way, whether mm. you're aware of that or not. And mm. and you can hear, and people listening to your podcast can hear this um, from the get, right? Like, you and I sound different the way that we talk. Our accents are different, right? Yeah. And it has to do with where in the world we're from, you know, like. I listen to you for a second and I go, oh, James is in the UK somewhere. And you can listen to me and say, Andre has, Andre is from America, right? And yeah. people don't understand that the culture of our societies having been, having their roots 
in white supremacist ideas and thoughts also shapes the way that we talk and think and behave. Hmm. But but here I don't have an accent. <laughs> like, yeah. When I'm here, I sound quote unquote normal, right? I it's undetectable to me unless I'm outside of my surroundings. And so when we talk about racism, you have to understand that you may not be able to hear that you have a racist thought, a white supremacist thought, an idea, behavior, whatever. And it's probably because it's so normal, it's so normalized in our culture that you wouldn't recognize it. But there's someone coming from a different vantage point, from a different perspective, that can hear it, that can spot it. And that's the way that we're able to understand where we're coming from. So, I mean, that, you asked how I experienced, and I kind of, how I experienced it, I mostly talked about, like, what it is, what we're talking about. But I think it's an important thing for people to understand. So, like, I have walked into grocery stores and been followed or, you know, by the shopkeeper or I've been randomly stopped and searched for drugs and weapons, you know, just while I was going about my business or, or different things like that. In, in America, it is just this general, like, idea that black people are suspicious or that we're up to something in, in some way. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not too dissimilar over here as well. Yeah, it's not it's not too dissimilar in the UK, sadly. Um, yeah. And what's happened with Brexit and yeah. the rise of Boris Johnson and the far right, and that it's almost like that. I mean, I remember the day after the Brexit vote, like there was there was a substantial increase in hate crime and race crime the week or well, two weeks after that vote. Um. Because it suddenly all these people who'd felt like they couldn't express what they were saying, what they wanted to say, now felt they had permission to be prejudiced and racist and, and, right. and hateful towards not just not just black people, but people from other parts of Europe, people from you know immigrants, that kind of thing. And it was just suddenly it was like, oh, it's culturally sanctioned now because people vote we voted to leave right. the EU, you know, and it was. Um, and it was, I guess it was the same in America with the election of, of Donald Trump as well, to a certain extent. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, we've seen a lot. We've seen an uptick in racial hate crimes. And, and it seems like there are a lot of people who have been emboldened to say things now that they probably wouldn't have said before 2016 in public and out loud. So we're definitely seeing, like, a white nationalist movement on the rise here. And I think that it's a global issue. You know, we're seeing that all over the place. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that countries outside of the U.S. often look to the U.S. and say, that's where racism is. That's what racism looks like. Mm. Uh, not realizing that racism originated in Europe. <laughs> it was exported to the, to the Americas. Uh, yeah. And so, those, and so those roots go deep, and it's a global problem. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, the, the historical... Um, basis for it, yeah. Well, in like you know, the British Empire, you know, colonialism, you know, um, yeah, um, and the slave trade all started over here. Like you know, it was, yeah, it's not something that yeah. I'm proud of as a British person. You know that that we kind of partly responsible for for a lot of this, you know, and for obviously for Native Americans, voices being squashed and like a kind of almost a genocide of Native Americans. Um, right. And it's all on us, like, um, and we have to own that. We have to take responsibility yeah. for that. Um, 
it may not have been us physically us that did that, but as a white as a white male and as somebody as a as a British citizen, I have to take responsibility for that. In my mind. Well, yeah, a friend of mine um, was quoting another thinker about this, and I think it's just a great analogy. And he was saying that, like, if you, if someone gave you a car for your birthday, and you're driving, and somewhere along the line, in, while you own this car, you realize that the person who get gifted it to you actually stole it, right? You're not responsible for stealing the car, <laughs> hmm. but if you're driving it, <laughs> you're utilizing it. Like you do have a responsibility to decide what you do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and that's something that a lot. I think that, that people are only just beginning to pick up on as well. Yeah, that our role in our role in a lot of that, and that we need to own that. Um, it's not like it's like one of your favorite. I think your one of your favorite phrases like the tough pills. You know, we have to swallow tough pills a lot, and this is one of those. Yeah, alongside the the colonial, um, the, um, alongside the colonial stuff, there's the obviously the systemic racism as well that that so many that we that we can be guilty of without even knowing it. You know, those are kind of tough pills, and you talk about tough pills um, mm-hmm. on your on your Twitter feed and in your uh, your emails as well. That's something that you yeah yeah. I mean, what what's an, what actually what's an example of some of those like. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, there's so many. Well, like one, for instance, that I've put out there is that, you know, there's no middle ground. You know, either either you're anti-racist or you're racist, you know, or you're, you're participating in racism or anti-racism because a lot of people want to feel as though there's this middle category of just being not racist. Um, but really that means that they're just not being attentive <laughs> to their yeah. behavior, not really being self-reflective about how they're interacting um, on the topic. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And I guess it can get a bit wearisome having to educate people on it um, a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I try to help those who are already looking for the answer which is partly why I have my mailing list. So, you know, I have kind of uh, strict boundaries for myself around this to where folks who are, like, supporting me on Patreon, like, we can have conversations and, you know, I can help point them in the direction. And it's not just because they're supporting financially. It's because their support financially tells me how serious they are about going on the journey. So I know that when I talk to them about racism or whatever, like they're not going to just dismiss what I have to say. They may not immediately accept whatever I have to say. They may even push back or have their own perspective or disagreement or whatever. But I know that they're serious about the conversation. Uh, The folks who are just like commenting on Twitter or something like that, I never know. Like that, that might not even be a real person. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I don't want to spend too much energy on like you know uh, a bot or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, your email on this is real. It's it's one of the best ones. Ones I've 
I mean, I'm subscribed to a lot of emails, <laughs> but that's what that's one, that. that's one of the ones I really pay attention to because there's so many great resources on there for people to educate themselves. Like, yeah, thank you. Just all those articles that you you I know you take so much time to curate those and to find those and share those and then um, and it's been like for me that's been really educational because I because I just I knew I, I knew I needed to do more research on this and to learn. Like, and yeah. I still got lots to learn. Like you know, <laughs> um, you never stop learning. But but yeah. yeah, that's why it's important that like you do what you do and um, why it's so valuable. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, how is this? I mean, you're obviously you're a musician and uh, and a writer and you do speaking as well. Like, how is how is creating this work? kind of impacted your own journey like and like often when we create things like that comes from stuff that's inside us and it does something to us when we create when we create things I mean how has it impacted you creating this work uh, and all, yeah. all, all kinds of work around this area yeah well I would say that this kind of work has really given a, a sense of focus to what I'm doing. You know, before I started talking about racism and studying social change, I was mostly like writing like R and B love songs and stuff like that. And nothing wrong with that, you know. Um uh but I feel like I found my voice in talking about social change and racial justice. And I know the stories that I want to tell and I know what I want to inspire people to do. And so that helps to give a whole different frame to how I approach writing songs or, or different things like that. Um, in a personal way, just doing this kind of work has been equal parts, like made me more hopeful. It's given me an eye of a better idea, a better grasp, I think, on what it means to be a hopeful person because I understand, like, I understand to a greater degree than I did before what it actually takes to change society. At the same time, though, it can also be really overwhelming. It can be really exhausting. Um, just thinking about social change all the time and thinking about how you can mobilize people. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh, goodness me, yeah. It's, it's such a big issue. And it's such a... It appears in the news so often. It's just part of our kind of daily news feed. So it's kind of, it must take a toll, for sure. If you do, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Have you been yeah, able it can to be really overwhelming? And so you know that's why it's super important to, um, yeah, it's really it's really important to have those times of recreation and hmm. relaxation and actually and to actually like practice being hopeful which is something that i try to do yeah practicing being hopeful that's a good thing to do mm-hmm. yeah i love that i love that um what is the most frustrating thing about the work that you do and the people that you encounter doing your work yeah well i would say there are a couple things one thing is that the problem is so big and there's and there are so many misconceptions about what it means to do this kind of work well or even what the problem is and so 
just the scale of it, the scope of it is something that is a huge challenge because yeah. we, need mil- we need millions of people to be committed to fighting white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And that is just a huge and daunting task. I think the other thing, though, is because of those misconceptions that I talked about or that I mentioned, um, it's almost like you're having the same basic conversation over and over and over again. Mm. So we can't really even get to the point of talking about uh, there's so many amazing concepts about people power, about the three and a half percent rule, about um, all, you know, all these different principles that I'm just throwing out and people won't even realize because we're not there. We're at the, we're still having the conversation about whether or not white supremacy is a problem. And if so, uh, how serious of a problem is it? Yeah, that must be frustrating. Yeah, yeah where people can't get, can't even get off that first base of, of white supremacy as a problem. That's yeah, that and yeah, that must be hugely frustrating. Um, I mean, who, who are the historically who are the people that you that inspire you that that kind of keep you motivated that the the examples that you follow I mean there's so many great people in history who've done so much great yeah, work yeah for sure I mean obviously Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is someone that gives that gives me a lot of hope and has influenced a lot of my thinking um Nelson Mandela is also another that has been really influential for me um mm. Gene Sharp is another who is not that well known but he's he's contributed a lot to the philosophy and practice of nonviolent struggle. Um, as much as anyone else has, Gene Sharp has been a huge, huge influence on my thinking, yeah. That's great names there. Really great names. Yeah. Um, and how is this... Obviously, you've been a pastor and um, a Christian. And how is this... How is doing all this work and how does this issue impact your faith and your spirituality and your relationship with God? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest, you know, it makes it, it makes it complicated, you know, mm. when you think through, you know, the way that Christianity has been used to oppress marginalized people, black mm. people, um, it raises questions, it raises doubts for me. Um, and at the same time, not just that, but you, you see people continuing to use yeah. Christianity <laughs> today in support of white nationalism and these anti-democratic uh, movements, and so I, there have been points. There have been points where I said, you know, I don't know what I believe. You know, um, now I feel more confident in my belief in God, and a, and a, a part of it has to do with understanding the many people who have fought for freedom that were people of faith, that were religious people, that were Christians, and you know, of, or and and of and of different religious traditions. So that helps me <laughs> to 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 not feel like I have to throw everything out, like I have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how how, how all these how all these things going on in our world and how they affect us affects our faith and affects how we relate to God. Like I've had a I've had I've had issues relating to God for a long time. 
because of completely different reasons. Um, but you know, trauma and, and grief and things that I went through, like that 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 affected my relationship with God, and and you know, I think that that's a common theme that when we go yeah. through those kind of experiences, whatever they are, that they they shape our thinking about God for sure. Of course, yeah. Um, so I think as we kind of got the last kind of five ten minutes here. I just wanted to just explore like practical things okay. that people like me can do, um, and like resources that we can look at because I think it's important that we do our own research and things rather than just depending on people like you to just do it all for us. It's really important right. that we do our own research and reading and and learning about all of this but about this issue and how we can be better um mm-hmm. because um it's really important you know um yeah yeah and what are the kind of what are the best resources that you know that people could could people who are just starting out on this on this journey like who, who are genuinely wanting to to learn and to yeah. to grow in this area and be better what would you kind of recommend to people? Yeah, I think that self-education is really important, and I would I would point people in the direction of a few people, and oftentimes, like if you're if you're searching, you know, on Google for these things, you kind of discover a network of thinkers and writers and stuff like that because it'll yeah. show you like people who search for this also search for this or people who bought this book also bought that book and so sometimes that's a good indication that okay like maybe I should look into this other title that it's suggesting so starting with Martin Luther King is a good place to start you know a lot of people think they understand what Dr. King was about and what he said but they haven't and because of that they haven't actually read his words Mm. so there's a book called The Radical King by Cornel West he Cornel West basically took a bunch of Dr. King's speeches and writings and put them in an anthology. Um, that would be a good place to start. And uh, from there, I mean, there are so many great thinkers and writers, but you could read um, those, the people that influenced Dr. King, and that's what I did, uh, like like Gandhi, uh, you oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. And and others like all of this stuff is actually still in print. It's still available. You may even be able to find some of these things, some of their writings online for free. You can look those. You can listen to them speak on YouTube. You can listen to Dr. King and Malcolm X and and others, and, and you can hear what they said firsthand. Now, some more modern uh, folks. Uh, Paul Angler is a good one. He wrote a book called This Is an Uprising uh, that talks about social change and talks about. Um, yeah, people, power, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Austin Channing Brown writes about racism. Oh, yeah, she's race. amazing. She's a, she's, a, she's a great writer. Yeah, I had her on my show. Yeah. She's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, and if you, if you, I think if people are searching for these names, like, you're going to come across other names and titles that are going to be really good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with me when I was, when I've been reading your, your post with all the links, like, I started reading the articles, and then they took me, that took me to other articles, and, I started yeah. learning about different issues and started looking, doing research on those issues, and it sort of it leads you down the rabbit hole, and you start to get more of a broader perspective, and 
get more knowledge that way. So um, if you really, I think if you really want to learn, then it's out there for you to find. I think like you can, especially in today's world with Google, you know, it's an Amazon and right, like you exactly. say, it's, I think it's it's becoming easier to educate ourselves um, on these kind of things um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and practically, like, what what can people do in their kind of day to day? to be somebody who is truly, like you say, you're either kind of being part of the problem, whether you realise it or not, or you're, or you're, or you're actively anti-racist. So what, yeah. what kind of some practical anti-racist things, like actions, that people can take that, that yeah. maybe... Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is to take responsibility for your, self, for your self-education, you know? So, like, people need to be aware of the problem, need to know what the problem is so that they can be self-reflective and they can make better decisions about the way that they're, about the way that they're interacting with others, about the way that they run their businesses, you know, about the things that they say about other, other races. And so, like, if, if you've not picked up a book about racism, uh, then how do you know that you're not doing anything racist, you know? Um, Absolutely, so that, yeah. would be, that would be one of the first things that I would say. Is like it, it doesn't sound like it's something, it's definitely not something spectacular, it's not something that will win any awards, but just, you know, picking up a book or two, watching a documentary from a trusted source, and uh, we've named some already, but, you know, like, like I, Austin Channing is a good one to start with, yeah, um, her book is amazing. Or, yeah. You know, because she helps you to understand, like, what is it like to experience the world as a black woman? And if you can read that and you can listen, you can and you can believe her and uh, accept what she's saying, then that can make you more sensitive to other people in your life and inform the way that you interact with other people. So education is a huge part. Another part I would say is... Um, Supporting the work of people who are doing that kind of stuff is another practical way. And so there are a lot of volunteers, there are a lot of organizations that are working around racism that need volunteers. There are many that need financial support. You know, like that could be a very practical way that people can, can be doing something and participating in anti racism work. Um, and then also, especially for white people, like taking responsibility to, to show up and to educate other white people. Um, one very practical way that you can do this is if you see someone being harassed by someone else online, uh, by some kind of white nonsense, if you're a white person, to jump into that conversation and you talk to that other white person and you try to educate them so that the, so that that person of color who is, you know, on the receiving end of that harassment can have the, can take some emotional distance and even say, okay, well, someone else is handling this and they can continue doing their work. Yeah, that's really good. That's all really, and those are all really simple things to do as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they're not difficult things to do, and I really would recommend Austin Shannon's book. It, it really, it, that really spoke to me. That was, that really opened me up to, opened my eyes to what was going on. And because obviously it's a, it's it's set in kind of the present day as well, a lot of it, so it's, it's very um, timely as well. Um, yeah. For what's happening now. And um, 
and she's got this new show as well which she's got which I would recommend to people as yeah. well which I yeah. um, she's doing some amazing work Austin um, yeah and you can go and listen to my episode with her as well if you want to hear more of her story I think that that's a, yeah she's definitely somebody um, but, but yeah it's really simple to just get started um, and it's just a it's it's a process you know it, it takes time to um, but you've got to put the effort in you've got to put the time in right exactly exactly and you've got to want to as well um, because it's easy to be ignorant you know right um, but but yeah um, and subscribe to you and I would I would actually recommend signing up for your for your emails and supporting your work as well because I think like if you want to educate yourself that's a really great way um, I appreciate that <laughs> Uh, Andre's work is some of the best. It's some of the best work in this area, definitely. Him, uh, you and you and Austin are two two the kind of modern day people that that I really listen to the most on this issue. So, um, yeah, because wow. I know a lot of my listeners will be will be, will be white people, and that's yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm consciously trying to create as a, as a podcaster. I'm trying to consciously create more space for voices of color on my show Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really conscious of that and I'm conscious of how I've not done that enough Um, Mm. and not simply not not as tokenism at all but because these are important issues and important voices need to be heard and stories that need to be told and I think yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's a really that's a really great practical way to to try to um, undermine like these just the patterns that white supremacy sets in our society. And, and to that point, I think that everyone has to think about what their context is and what, what their resources are, what their gifts are, what do they have? Because that because part of the answer to the question of, you know, what can people do depends on their context and what their lives look like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been so great it's to talk pleasure. to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I've learned, I've learned so much. And um, people can find you online. Um, where can just tell people where can people connect with you? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter a lot at Andre Henry. Um, that is probably the place where I interact the most. Um, then also, obviously, my website, which is andrehenry.co. Um, and they can sign up for my mailing list there uh, or leave me a comment on the blog or something like that, and I'll see it. Great, great, yeah. And I do recommend all of those those things. Really, really great. So thank you for coming on. Um, and um, I really hope everyone listening has been beneficial and challenging as well. It's certainly been challenging for me and inspiring for me. So thanks for coming on, Andre. My pleasure. And uh, take care, everybody, and we'll talk again soon.